0: Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the Yarn Truck Podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife, mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 85, recorded the first week of August 2019. Today's segments include What You're Working On, General Craftiness, Colorful Puddles, and Where's Nomads? Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. So Erica, what
1: have you been working on this week?
0: This week, I have still been doing a lot of spinning. Uh, It is the it was the last week of the tour de fleece, um, which means that I um, I've been sitting on my spinning wheel more than perhaps my standard. Uh, I finished my main goal for the tour like in the first week um and that was 12 ounces of new to me sheep breeds um and i applied all of those together and i got about 500 yards of bulky yarn do
1: you have a plan for that yarn yet or are you still thinking
0: i have a vision for a winter coat for the three and a half year old Um, for Poppy, I think she would think the colors were pretty. There's a lot of like purples and blues and pinks. And, um, I just think it's a fun, a fun color. Um, I had a plan to weave fabric. Um, but I don't know if I want to do that or not. I don't know if the yarn will fit through the heddle, um, the holes on that. It might be a little bit too thick. Um, I might crochet it and then felt it. I haven't ever done that before. Um, felt a crochet piece i felted loads of knitting pieces um, but i think that that could make a cool winter coat fabric that would um the felting would keep it nice and warm to keep breezes from going through so we'll see okay uh so after i finished my first tour goal um, i grabbed another yarn um, or some more fiber that I, it was kind of my secondary goal. Um, it was a, I call it a kitchen sink blend. It was a little bit of everything, um, mohair, wool, sparkle, angora, and it was all blues and greens. Um, and that
1: was from Breezy Manor Farm, is that right?
0: Yes. Yep. From the, um, from the fiber producer, Donna Jo in Mooresville. Um, and she raises the animals and hand shears and hand dyes and, and does some really neat things. So I'd had that
1: forever. And she has her own little, uh, like farm shop there now. The, it's a little purple barn um, that you can visit. I, she has fairly short hours, but uh, check out Breezy Manor Farm. You can go and see her on the farm and see the fiber she produces.
0: So I spun that, and it was a it was a big braid. Um, I think it was more like a five-ounce braid than a four-ounce braid. Um, and so I spun all of that as singles, and then I plied it with, like, four different other commercial yarns. Um, so I did – I plied – um some of it with a hundred gram skein of like variegated greens and got a big ball um, of yarn from that and i didn't count yardage yet i haven't actually processed any of this yarn uh, meaning, I skeined it all up, um, put it on a knitting notty tied it off in skeins. But you need to you need to soak it, get it wet, um, and then hang it to dry so that it's not so kinky um, and that it's ready to um, ready to go. And I haven't done that yet. Um, so normally, I count yardage and label everything um, after I've done that and when I'm sort of putting the yarn into storage before I use it. Um, but then I applied the rest of it with uh, two different colors. Of the same commercial yarn, a like a dark, almost navy teal, um, and then a light, almost like a robin's egg or sky blue, um, and those were 50-gram skeins, and then I still had some of my singles left over, so then I did a two-ply yarn with itself, um, so both plies were the hand spun um, and finally finished it off that way. So I have four skeins of that, um, a bunch of yards. I don't know exactly how many, but a few. Um, and then I started my third project for <laughs> a Tour de Fleece. Um, I got more spinning done than I, uh, than I was anticipating. Um, for me, once I sit down on my spinning wheel, it's very addicting. I don't want to get back up again. Um, so if I sit down to spin for five minutes, I end up uh, spinning for longer than that. Um, and so I started another braid that has long since lost any information about it. It's a commercially prepared, um, probably like a Corydale. It might be Merino, um, but it's, um, I am lovingly referring to it as clown puke. Um, it's, there are many, many colors and there's a lot of like primary colors, like blue and red and green and, um, they it, it's making... I can tell I bought this fiber a while ago. Um, these are not colors, and it's not going to have an effect that I would necessarily choose right now.
1: I haven't even seen this braid. You've been spinning it when I haven't been uh, in the room with you, so. Uh, so it's you not. Could give, you could go get it now and do a true reaction if you wanted to. <laughs> it's not bad.
0: I mean, it's not ugly. It's just not my taste. Um, and it's dyed in like a big color hunk. So that's going to be a self-striping yarn, um, I, honestly, what I'm thinking as I'm spinning it is I might over-dye this. Um, I might spin it, enjoy the pretty colors while I'm spinning it, and then um, either apply it with a commercial yarn or with itself and then over-dye it um, to kind of uh, just create more of the color palette that I'm looking for now. Although Certainly I think I'm
1: going to be handed this ugly yarn in a, uh, in a couple of weeks it's and not really ugly. I know, so you make it pretty. <laughs> it's not ugly. It's just – it is
0: from a more juvenile period in my, like, fiber preferences. Um, for me, it's not that um, that nobody should like this. It's just it's not what I'm feeling right now. Um, so we'll see. I didn't get very far into that. I think I only spun one or two days on that one. Um, so I, I haven't finished that one. Um, I have quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of that left. We'll see if I pick it back up again before the tour next year. Um, I, it tends to be what I'm doing right now is I spend dur- during the Tour to Flee, Um, which is just an online competition that runs at the same time as the Tour de France bicycle race every year Um, and then I lose my oomph and I don't go back to the spinning wheel until the next year Um, so I hope I don't do that because I really enjoy spinning um, I also, with Dave's help, did another push at organizing the crafting space in our house. Um, so our-
1: now you can get to your wheel and be able to actually use it other times. Yeah,
0: spin in the craft room instead of all over the house.
1: Do you know if you see photographs of Erica's craft area... My studio area has not been tidied up, so... uh... I'm
0: selectively photographing (laughs) where you cannot see. Dave and I share like an office, um, and he has his model painting, and I have my crafting things in the same space. And
1: I have uh, had several uh, large commissions, which have taken up um, a lot more space than than usual on my kind of shelves and area, as well as before I did that, I'd kind of half-finished... Uh, reorganizing so um it's 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 a bit of a train wreck right now um that's at the end of this week i will have finished all my commissions with deadlines until basically next year so i'm gonna after that take a couple of days and just reorganize my studio and make myself a bit more zen in there rather than just panicking all the time <laughs> Uh, And
0: we'll talk more about the craft room renovation um, in a later segment. Uh, The only other crafting things that I have done are um, I'm continuing to uh, crochet the um, sort of real open cropped um, oversized uh, crochet piece that I'm doing out of our orchard lace yarn which is 100% silk lace weight um, and I am very nearly done. Uh, that is going to be released as one of our patterns with the video tutorial so I'm kind of at the point where I need to do a couple of five-minute videos before I finish up the second piece of that um, and then it will be on to seaming and I'm probably going to add a little edging around the sleeves and the bottom of this. Um, so I've been doing a lot of crocheting with that and I have really enjoyed it. Um, um, I also last night because I couldn't work on that piece because I needed to do videos. Um, I grabbed an old knitting project and did a couple of rounds um, on it's a skein of my hand dye or my hand spun yarn that's a gradient from a very very light lilac into a very very dark almost black purple, um, and it just fades from one end of the ball to the other. And it's a sock ish weight. Um, it's my hand spun, and I don't worry too much about the the thickness as I'm doing. You know, just spend what I want. Um, but I started with like three stitches and I just add a stitch every fourth row. Um, and I'm doing two rows with the light end of the gradient and two rows with the dark end of the gradient. So I'm working from both ends of the ball. And as the shawl gets wider, as I add a stitch every fourth row, um, the colors get closer together. So it starts off very, very um, aggressively striped with almost a white and almost a black, um, the super dark and super light purples um, and I'm getting into more the the mid-range of the light color the dark is still very very dark purple um, so it's a fun effect I'm liking it. I started this ages ago and put it down as I had all uh, work knitting commitments that needed to get done you started this as a
1: vacation project when you went away with your parents I believe
0: okay last year um, so I'm enjoying working on this again. I went to my first exercise class in like 10 years, um, yesterday evening. And when I got home, I just needed to lay in a heap, um, and, and work on something. So this is what I grabbed.
1: It's looking good. I think you should finish it on our next vacation to get it all done.
0: Yeah. At the end of August, we are going on our, on our second vacation
1: since the shop Two closed, vacations in a year. <laughs> which
0: is very exciting. Um, we're going to the beach, uh, again. Um,
1: and Dave, what have you been working on this week? Well, I have been doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm going to be talking in colourful puddles about dyeing some fibre, um, as I got uh, some fibre dyed uh, for a couple of classes. Um, I'm going to be teaching at the retreat. Um, one of the classes is going to be um, little uh, felted uh, cactuses and succulents. Um, so we've got some cute little terracotta pots. Um, And I dyed a bunch of different cactus colors. So I'll be talking about dyeing that in colorful puddles. And if you want to come along and take that class, as well as four other classes, including two dyeing classes for me, as well as be fed for the weekend and spend two days relaxing in the woods, we still have spaces on our full retreat, September 28th and 29th. You can book that at store.nomadjowingshop.com. There's not that many spaces left, we've just opened up some extra ones um, as we've reached our initial capacity. So if you'd like to come along, uh, come along. Um, We also, um, I've been doing some other things for the retreat today in the dye pots as we record. I have the uh, retreat special edition uh, yarn that is dying away, so that's a... Uh, Blueface Lester and Donegal Sock yarn. And it's the Donegal means, to it. yep, a tweedy like speckled look to it. And I've been taking my inspiration from the Jameson Camp logo, uh, which is aquas and black, um, so I'm using that to make a beautiful kettle dye colour. I've also finished labelling and filling all the Kickstarter kits. Um, for our our last main Kickstarter run. So that is our um, Cirrus alpaca yarn. That will be coming out on the truck uh, by the end of this week. And all of those tubes of yarn are going in the mail today. Uh, We picked up a bunch more tennis ball tubes from our, our partner, West Indie Racquet Club, who we recycled the tubes for. They've been very um helpful to help us kind of collect those we completely filled the back seat of the car and the trunk
0: uh bringing those home and having children unpeel tennis ball tubes to take the tennis ball logos off of them is a wonderful entertainment and a way to kill an afternoon yeah
1: they really love taking the uh, the wrappers off the outside of the tubes um which is good because they send us nine boxes of 24 tubes this time um so that took us a little while um so those are we did all those tubes. Um, I've been experimenting, we uh, found some uh, silicone moulds at a thrift store for making gummy candies and the kids absolutely love gummy candies and they love uh, cooking in the kitchen with us. So I've been playing with the recipe to make sure it's consistent and works when the when the kids come and play with it um so far it's not worked too well uh they've been um the molds of, look huge but the gummy bears like blap. yeah they're, they're, they're not quite firm enough um i picked up an absolutely huge thing of gelatin to do those with so we're getting to play with the kids with that um and uh, we've been continuing to play with uh in the kitchen kind of cutting down on our um on our meat consumption I've been scouting around other things nearby so I'm sure I'm going to talk about that at some point. I give my thumbs up to fake chicken
0: nuggets. Those yeah those are really good. Way better than the fake meatballs from a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had fake chicken nuggets with uh, buffalo dip last night um, and they were delicious. I also ate dinner at 10 o'clock at night which is probably <laughs> not ideal.
1: Um, and then in my painting studio I have finished two uh, large Uh, projects. So I'm a miniatures painter um, on the side. I finished two large uh, army projects to uh, send away to a couple of clients at a tournament. So those are all done. I've got a final push to finish some items for someone who's going to pick up a Gen Con this weekend. Um, He's a regular client from Canada. He sends me stuff and he picks up once a year a Gen Con. So um, I've got the last of his stuff to finish off and I am free from commitments for a little while which would be nice. I will finally get to do uh, a piece for myself. Um, I want to push my um, kind of competition level painting skills and do a couple of competition entries this year. Um, So after taking lots of classes in the last couple of years, I really want to push to do that. So yeah, that's about it for this week. Erica, how have you been generally crafty?
0: So I wanted to talk briefly. I'm pretty sure we've we've talked about this before, um, but I have just done another push in the craft room to make the space function better for me. Um, and I just want wanted to talk for a few minutes about how I did that and how my crafting preferences have evolved and um, kind of how to how to work within your changing um, ch- changing styles as you as you move through different stages of life and want different things out of your space. Um, I feel like I constantly struggle with clutter and things and knowing how to where to put things away Um, that is not a strength of mine um, just generally in life uh, but definitely in in crafting space I tend to be an instant like I'll have a thought of what something that I want to make and I instantly want to start it and so I will abandon whatever project I had been working on um, and so I often end up with just and I'll, I'll try to put away the pieces that I was working on, but they end up getting shoved in a bag or in a box, which gets put wherever there is space for it, and suddenly the craft room is covered in bags and boxes of random projects, some of which I let, let go so long ago I don't even remember what I was making or I can't find all the parts or the pattern for it or, um, or what have you. Um, and I think I have come to the conclusion that the best way for me to function in my crafting space is to have less things. Um, I do feel like I get a lot of crafting done, um, and I do finish a lot of projects and and accomplish a lot of things that I want to, uh, but I also feel like I don't give myself permission to let go of things that I stopped working on 10 years ago, and I don't remember what they were. Um, and those take up a lot of space and it feels like they take up a lot of mental space, um, and kind of stop me being able, um, I feel like I'm not allowed to go buy new things for a new project that I'm excited about because I have all of this material. Um, and so I, I have been working most of this month to try and in fits and starts, um uh, to try to clear out a lot of things that I don't want or need anymore and give myself permission to do the kind of crafting that I do want to need to do right now
1: and a lot of this stuff you got from people giving you fabric as well I mean a, a lot of it was kind of given to you by your mom and her friends when you right were in when college, I or in high school.
0: right, I started quilting when I was in high school, and so I would get big like garbage bags full of scraps left over from my mom and her friends were quilters as well, um, and I felt like I couldn't get rid of them. I had to use them, but they weren't fabrics that I chose or that I wanted, and they were also given to me. I'm getting on for twenty years ago now. It's been a while since I've been in high school. Um, and uh, so i've been slowly clearing um, clearing things out um, and i found for me i need a little bit of help um, it's a thing that i find very overwhelming um, to try to do on my own and so dave was nice enough the other day to really help me the way that i needed to be helped to get through this um, so the process that i went through um we share we have one um one it's basically a bedroom in our house that is our joint joint crafting and um, and making space and so he has half of it where he has his uh, painting studio set up with his airbrush and all of his paints and all of his jobs and commission work and and trays of drawing models and all of all of that Um, And I have my sewing machine, my serger, all my fabric, um, my loom, my spinning wheel, my yarn, um, all of my crafting um, things. Uh, And I do uh, heavily lean towards the textile arts. Um, I don't really do any sort of painting or drawing kind of crafts. Um... And so what I did is I had Dave help me carry every single thing from my half of the room out into our dining room, put it on the dining room table, and overflow onto the floor. Um, And so this included... I had several... So I have the furniture that is still in the room is a cutting table. Um, It's like a folding table. Um, It's the long narrow one, not like a square card table. It's like, I don't know, two feet by four feet or something. Um, And I have that on bed risers like you get for college students to lift your bed up off the floor so that you can slide um, like more storage underneath your bed.
1: You're making that sound
0: more classy. It's actually on PVC pipes (laughs) because the bed risers didn't work. Oh, that's
1: right. The bed risers (laughs) were
0: too wide for the space. We have radiators um, which you you can't put the wide bed risers because the radiators didn't leave enough floor space to do it. Anyways, it's on... Dave is right. It's on PVC pipe. Um, So the the legs of the table just sit down into a PVC pipe, um, which actually let us raise it up high enough. I'm fairly tall for a woman. I'm 5'9", I think. Um, And so I can raise... I raise the cutting table up to a height where I can cut on it while standing pretty much upright, which is nice and very comfortable to do. Um, So I have that cutting table. Um, I have another... table of a similar size that I have my sewing machine and my serger on. And then I have a big pegboard on the wall above my sewing machine table um, that I hang yarn on. I've hung my my weaving loom on. I've hung the bags of all of the knitting and crochet projects, um, including the patterns up on pegs there, um, and then underneath that, I have, like, Notion organization, um, and they're actually, it's, like, a tool organizer um, that mounts on the wall with little individual, like, cubbies that detach, and you can bring down onto the table and then put back on again, and I have, like, my buttons and my, my small scissors and snips and Velcro and uh, threads
1: and things like that.
0: And this um, was actually...
1: A little kind of parts component bin set up from Harbor Freight. So that's a really kind of good place to find those sort of things. Yeah,
0: any kind of a um, like home improvement store, I bet they had them at like Lowe's or any, any hardware store. And it wasn't all that expensive, it was maybe 20 bucks. Um, and I got a dub, like I have two of them that are mounted next to each other. So that is what is still in the room. Um, but I also had, um, I think, three other small bookshelves that had books and mostly fabric. Um, and I also had a couple of those like big clear plastic tubs full of fabric as well. And I had tried to organize those, but I things ended up shoved on top and underneath and they weren't as organized as I had wanted them to be. Um, So Dave helped carry every single thing out of the room. I already knew that I wanted less furniture in there. Uh, What happens for me, if you give me a flat surface, I will put things
1: on it. Um, And so I wanted less flat surfaces. It's kind of like I, I considered going around the house a few times and getting some of those spikes that they put on top of buildings so the pigeons landing on them just so we don't <laughs> we don't end up with junk on top of our very flat surface. Yes, I, <laughs> I
0: have that problem in my entire life, not just in the craft room. Um, so a lot of like the bookshelf spaces, they weren't exactly perfect for what I wanted. And as my preferences change over time, it's not like I could have one shelf that is always quilting cotton because I like right now I'm not quilting all that. Much, so I don't really want that much quilting cotton. Um, I'm much more in a like stretchy fabric sewing, uh, garment sewing mode. Um, so it, the set shelving wasn't working very well for me because the amount of materials that I had of any given type. Uh, changed over the years and I didn't want to set something up only to have it not function in another few years Uh, so what we actually did um, took everything out took all of the extra furniture out got it out of the house um, and I ended up um, using big zippered like blue bags that they're basically they're the IKEA bags Um, so they're they hold about as much as a like a laundry basket would Um, and I Dave was my putter, and I would say what category a thing went in and Dave would put it in that bag and, and label it and um, he had a, like a box for to go uh, to the to be donated to the thrift store, a box to be donated to recraft um, the crafting supply uh, thrift store, um, and then a, a trash bag. <laughs> so there was a surprising amount of trash in there. And we ended up with a bag for my spinning supplies. Um, I don't have all that much fiber left. I have spun through most of that, but I have like bobbins and orifice hooks and storage bobbins and the storage bobbin winder. Um, and all of that so those fit nicely in one bag I have a bag for quilting cotton I have a bag for woven fabric that is not quilting cotton Um, I have a bag for fleece and flannel I have a bag for stretchy fabric Um, and then I have a bag for patterns and that's it Um, all of those bags sit underneath the cutting table nicely and do not create flat surfaces for me to put things on (laughs) Um, and I don't have I, I did a major call of my books as well I have just a very few books um, I have a couple of books for like sewing toys for kids um, which I think are adorable and Poppy and I have had fun um, kind of she'll pick out something and we can sew it together um, or she can pick out the pattern and pick out the fabric and then I can sew it um, and so I wanted to keep those a couple of books of patterns that have a lot of patterns in them and um, And that's it, I think I kept six books, eight books, um, but I, I got, I called a lot of books. I just don't use sewing books very much anymore. Um, and I had called my knitting and crochet books a long time ago, um, as I exclusively use the internet, um, to find, uh, find the patterns that I want. I like looking through the books. Our library has a great selection of, um, of fiber arts books. Um, I like looking through them, but I, that's not how I knit or crochet anymore is from paper patterns. Um, so I didn't want to keep them if I wasn't going to use them.
1: And that's, that's something that's kind of changed a, a lot in our, just generally in our lives the last few years that we basically don't really own any kind of reference books or any dvds or cds or anything like that <laughs> you
0: say we don't own any reference books the mic my microphone is currently standing on top of a stack of uh, encyclopedia
1: britannica okay but you bought those because you really really liked the way they looked and refused to get rid of them <laughs> yes I, lo- I love them um but a a lot of like the reference books that we had like we've culled our cookbooks we've really culled like how many dvds and cds and things we have just because with everything kind of moving to digital um it's it's much quicker to find things online um we have a netflix account we don't watch that much tv like i have uh music streaming so it's we just we just don't use those things and don't want them cluttering up our life
0: Okay, that so that was my general craftiness. It wasn't so much a an informative thing for you to do, but more just an explanation of what I did. Um, and I hope that this space is going to work much better for me. I already feel like it um, it is making it easier to put my hand on exactly what I want. Like the project that I the knitting project that I picked back up last night, I knew exactly where to look for it, um, and it was all in one place, which was nice. So Dave, what have you been doing with Colourful Puddles this week?
1: Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about dyeing fibre. I've not done much uh, fibre dyeing for a while, so I'm talking about uh, roving before we actually uh, spin it up. Um, So we wanted to uh, do the little succulent and cactus uh, painting. in class at the retreat. Um, so I wanted to dye up some kind of cactusy colors from that. Um, and I also wanted to dye up some example uh, fiber for the uh, Montrose Farm um, Alpaca Ranch uh, uh, pop-up shop and dye day that we're doing later this month. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, so I, um, I wanted to get down in the studio and dye some stuff up. So we got some fiber um, when we were down in Kentucky um, from Ohio Valley. Um, fiber mill I picked up a beautiful uh, medium wool fleece it was kind of light uh, gray kind of off-white color to a slightly kind of darker mid-gray tones sort of mottled Um, and she'd set this aside as um, a felting uh, fiber Um, simply because when she put it through the mill the first time, it had a little bit of kind of grease residue left in it and a little bit of uh, vegetable matter. Um, So it was really nice uh, fiber. It's really nice feeling fiber. Um, It's fairly consistent uh, kind of staple length. It would actually be really nice spun up, Um, but she decided not to run it through the mill a second time um, just to clean the rest of it out and and just kind of call this a a felting core. So I picked that up, beautiful fiber. Um there's about two and a half pounds of it. Um so I took some of that and headed down to my dye studio. Um so there's a couple of things to consider when you're working with just raw fiber. Uh, firstly And it's
0: not raw
1: fiber, no. it, it has been washed it's been and Washed and processed, yeah. yeah. Um so when you're working with fiber that's been washed and processed but not turned into yarn, is it's a lot more delicate. Um it will felt very easily. Um you have to be very careful not to basically agitate it too much, um, and also it's it's quite difficult to get the um, dye to penetrate it sometimes using a lot of techniques, simply because it's got a lot more volume to get to the centre. Um, so to get so maybe, it's fluffy. It's fluffy, yeah. It's it's fluffy and delicate. Um, so the best way to work with um, with the fibres is give it some um, some kind of time to soak in the um, the colours. Um, and really don't move it around a lot. So it takes itself very well to uh, kind of kettle dye techniques or very kind of wet hand painting techniques. Um, so for this particular uh, setup, um, I just dyed it in my uh, kind of three pot crock pot instead of hating my big pots up. And I found that one of the pots would hold exactly uh, four ounces of fiber without kind of being overfull. full. Um, so normally what I would do is get a bath of, of set up with my main colours um, and then add the fibre in. Because the fibre takes so long to kind of soak in um, the moisture and you need to be a bit more delicate with it, what I actually did with the fibre is kind of uh, snake it up and down um, kind of vertically, uh, so about kind of four inches deep, kind of went round and almost like concertinaed the fiber up. So I made kind of a big bundle. So kind of half of that was sticking down, half was sticking up and then put that in the pot. Um, So what that means is that the bottom of the fiber and the top of the fiber are not kind of coiled up, they're more kind of sticking up and down. Um, What that did is set up the fiber better. Um, to be able to kind of get more variation in colour that's consistent throughout, um, especially if the concentration in the pot is gonna it's gonna vary slightly with the way of setting it up. So put the fibre in dry. So if you had
0: just coiled, like started at the bottom and gone back and forth um, uh, more in a more standard way, would what have happened be the like the first half of the fiber would have been all whatever color it started with, and the top half would have been a different color? So this exactly. way you got more exactly like so consistent more... variation instead of almost like a, a gradient. If you would have done the more standard, like just back and forth instead of up and down.
1: Exactly. Okay, um, I was making sure this, I was understanding. With you were this at. method as well, um, that I was doing kind of quick kind of kettle colors with I wanted to be fairly kind of fast and loose with putting the colors in I wanted to get I wanted to retain some of that kind of gray color and and desaturations you do get some of that kind of grayish color in succulents um, and I just wanted to make them a little bit softer and not really kind of really wild bright colors so if I was doing um this to get it really, really saturated, I would have gone in my larger baths, um, in my um, big pots, but I didn't want to do that. Um, So then I got that set up. Then what I did is um, mixed up three of my 32 ounce mason jars of dye. now what I actually did is measured out the dye powder for each one of these and made them a very low concentration um, because four ounces is just over 100 grams. Basically I'm dyeing one skein of yarns worth of fiber but it's taking up the volume of the entire crop pot where I can normally fit two skeins in or up to three skeins in one of those. So we don't need a lot of dye. Um, really we needed kind of less less than one gram of dye essentially to to dye the whole thing. Um, So I mixed up my uh, colors in those mason jars and essentially um, just started pouring. So I started at the center of each of the cakes that I kind of set up, start pouring the dye in very gently. Wool, especially wool that has a little bit of grease in, um, can be fairly water resistant. Um, especially with that grease that needs something to dissolve it. So I added some extra vinegar um, into each of my dye solutions to make sure it was going to kind of penetrate through that grease, um, actually have some of that corrosive power to remove some of that extra oils. Um, so each of these jars poured very gently in the center and in the sides of the fiber, giving it time to soak in. And it really does take to add the three um, pots of um water with the very small amount of dye in, it's going to take you like two or three minutes instead of just being able to dump it in. You're looking at about a minute for each one of them to go kind of very slowly, pull them in and let the fiber absorb the dye. Um, letting the fiber absorb the dye kind of bit by bit and making sure you don't have any dry spots is going to give you the most consistent look. Again, we want to be very careful. We don't want to felt this. So we don't want to be kind of pulling and tugging the fibre around a lot and squishing it up and down to make sure it's absorbing the water. We just want to let it do it by itself. Um, So when I got filled all the way to the top, I put my lid on and I let the the fibre set. I wanted to make it set uh, for a little bit longer than I would for yarn, for the same amount. Again, we... We've got a lot of volume there we're trying to get everything to kind of go straight to the uh, actually penetrate to the center of this kind of fluffy mass and uh, make sure it's wet through and dyed through um so i'd normally leave um in those crock pots once they're hot about 40 minutes or so um for um yarn and then i'd be able to take it out hot Um, and then set it aside somewhere else to cool when I put the next batch in. Uh, With the fiber, I let it dye for about an hour, and then I turn the pots off and I let it sit in the pot until it cooled. Um, So it gives you more opportunity for the uh, fiber to absorb um, any last kind of moisture to penetrate through the center, and it gives that very last bit of dye a chance to kind of set on the fiber without agitation. Also, when the fiber is cool, and you're moving it around, Um, it's going to be less likely to felt. Um, The the heat in there is going to make it much easier to felt it a lot quicker. So if you handle the fiber when it's cool, um, it's going to make it a lot easier um, to not felt it. Um, So then I took the whole uh, kind of liner out um, instead of removing the fiber with my tongs, drained that out in the sink and then just gave it a very gentle rinse Um, with uh, my spray gun I didn't want to add a lot of pressure there so it was almost kind of trickling almost like a shower I used very little dye so I made sure that the dye was going to go to completion so I'm not trying to wash out extra dye Um, and then basically hang the fiber up like almost like you would a skein uh, loop around a couple of pegs uh, to hang from and you're all done
0: so what was what was your impression with this? Is the first time you've dyed fiber in any kind of larger quantity, isn't it? What was your yeah? I did
1: some a, a few years ago. I did kind of tie dye um, oh, style ones right. uh, for the store when we when we got spinning wheels in. Well, that's several years ago now. Um, it's fiber is more of a challenge, um, and it's still something that I'm kind of working on doing more advanced techniques with. I I did do a couple of other little experiments that I'm not really ready quite to talk about yet um, but um, yeah I'd, it was good practice for me to get more used to dying if I were doing the two and a half pounds it gave me about um, like nine or runs um, of different colors and I did each one a different color to really um, Kind of get some practice playing about with colors and, and blending on fiber because it does do it differently they um, look very pretty
0: i um i put them into braids and did some photographs of them um to use for our upcoming the class that dave is going to be teaching at the alpaca farm
1: um and they were fun to play with the colors are very very pretty and this is the technique that i'm going to be teaching because it's fairly easy for people to be successful with this um technique um Without kind of agitating the fiber too much, not being tempted to poke it, you just just chill, just let it, just be zen, let it let it do its thing. Um, that's the hardest thing with catalyzed. A lot of the time is don't touch it. Once um, you've got it set up, walk away. Um, you want the colors to blend and mix by themselves, but retain some areas of pure um, tone. And if you start poking it and, and messing about with it, you you're gonna mess up your effect. So yeah, it's especially important with fiber. Okay, hey, sounds good. Okay, so let's talk about where Nomad's going to be for the next couple of weeks, and then we will see you on the road. So, uh, today, um, that's uh, Tuesday, July 30th, Erica will be at the Avon Farmer's Market um, from 4 till 7. it's um, our second time here. We had a good turnout the first time, so we're, I'm hoping to see some of you guys. And that's a great fun market. It's on US 36, um, so it's uh, really busy. You can see it straight from the road. Um, On Saturday this week, uh, we will be at Gen Gen Con, um, well not really at Gen Con, we will be downtown for Gen Con at ReCraft. Um, So if you are in town for the big gaming convention, come see us, we're just down the street, Um, and I will be running two pop-up die classes, and Eric will be running a pop-up arm knitting class. We will be at ReCraft all day from 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. So come see us there. It's going to be really fun.
0: And Uh, the classes are all free and they are including your materials for free. So ReCraft is providing the materials. Um, If you feel so inspired, she does a a lot of food bank donations. So you're welcome to bring some non-perishable foods or a cash donation for her to add to her basket. Um, But only if you want to. Um, It's a free class.
1: But we really would appreciate it. We are... um, Bethany's providing materials for free and we're donating our time for free for these classes. So um, that would be a great little uh, fundraiser for her food bank. If you do have the opportunity, you can afford to do that. Um, on Monday, August 5th, Erica will be doing her regular Terra Haute day, uh, stopping at M. Moggers. What time will you be there? From four until eight in okay. Terra Haute at M. Moggers. And it's a restaurant and
0: pub. There's a great outdoor space. Um, there's a great air conditioned inside space. Um, and their food and beverage selection is fantastic. And that's always
1: a hop in place, so do drop on by to that. Um, on Wednesday, Erica will be in Greencastle um, at our regular stops there.
0: Yep, Myers Market, 3 until 5, and
1: then Vosser Brewing from 5.30 until 8. Um, and then Saturday, August 10th, uh, we will be at the Montrose uh, Farm Alpaca Ranch up in Brownsburg. Um, I'll be doing a pop-up dye class during that day too. Um, Then Wednesday, August 14th, we will be at the Plainfield Farmer's Market just across the street. Um, From the old location of the shop, um, which,
0: judging by the bangs happening outside the window right now, may have just come down. There are only three were... The brick-and-mortar shop is going as part of a big redevelopment project in the historic downtown Plainfield area, Um, and we happen to live 500 feet from the shop, Um, and so we have been watching all of the buildings on that block come down, and there were only three standing, one of them being the the
1: old shop building. They'd already taken down 216. um, Which was our little apartment apartment that we rented out. Um, So uh, it was the store, the the old livery stable at the end of the street, um, and the little uh, strip mall next to us. So uh, they've been doing a lot of banging and crashing since. Yeah, but I'm sure out. at
0: least one of those three is no longer standing. So we're we're looking at the last day or two um, of there being any buildings there before um, they get started on their new building. Yeah, it will be gone by the end of the week, I'm sure.
1: Um, And I've
0: said that like four
1: weeks in a row. (laughs) It really will be gone this time, though, I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, So that's it for the next couple of weeks. um, And we have a couple more dates uh, coming up that we're waiting for confirmation on uh, before we go away um, for a week in August. Yep. Um, and more information about
0: all of our stops including the addresses the times um, all of that is up on our website at nomadyarnshop.com slash where's nomads um, or on our Facebook page we create event pages uh, for all of our upcoming events as well and
1: um, we have a really hop in uh, late August all the way through September so there are lots and lots of cool things coming up um, that we're very excited about but we're we're going to wait to talk about those on um, the podcast for a little while one of the things that is coming up though is that for retreat uh saturday 28th and sunday the 29th of september we do have a few spaces left and we would love to see some more listeners um so uh do check that out store.nomadjohnshop.com um there are a few spaces left and it's going to be a really cool weekend yep and do feel free if you've got any questions
0: about um the retreat or anything else to get in touch uh, via email facebook messenger for the shop um, Instagram Messenger, um, or our shop phone number.
1: Okay, thanks for listening. Happy crafting. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.